You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious edition of the Assembly Call tonight, or this afternoon, I suppose. Your Indiana Hoosiers beat Northwestern 68-61 to to move to 1-0 in the Big Ten uh, in a game that was was really tight throughout the second half. IU took a bit of a lead at the beginning of the, uh, of the second half, and really from there, it was a one-point game at the under-12 timeout. It was a tied at the uh, under-8, and Northwestern was up by a few at the under four and IU really rebounded to play well uh, down the stretch and, uh, and come away with the win in a game that Juwan Morgan missed the last few minutes of the game uh, with an injury. They're working on his shin toward the end of the game. Um, so we'll see what, if anything, Archie Miller has to say about that in the post game uh, about the injury for, uh, for one of the team stars and, uh, and for a team that just seems to be snake bitten by injuries, quite frankly, but uh, they do, you know, find a way to win. And, and that's really, uh, at least in the immediate in the immediate term, what the important thing was about today's game was to really get back on track and uh, and get a win in a, in a big Big Ten game. So uh, that was certainly important. So uh, we'll talk about that here today on the show. I'm your host Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we'll break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. And we'll start today's show as we start every show, and that is with our Who's Your Proud Banner moment. And uh, you know, Jared, who can't be on the show, was texting in a variety of suggestions. Uh, he to texts Ryan way too much when he's not on the show, by the way. I think yeah. that's that's fairly obvious. Just yeah, we're saving him from himself when he's on the show. But I will say, I will actually uh I, I do think what he what he sent in for the banner moment made sense and, and is likely one that we would have picked anyway, but we'll give him the uh we'll give him the credit. But you know, as as we mentioned, IU comes out um down sixty one fifty eight out of the under four timeout. Juwan had been really down on the court. Uh during the entirety of the timeout and the footage they showed on TV looked like he could really barely even walk or put weight on uh, his right leg as he got over to the bench. And so for a pretty young team who hasn't had a ton of experience playing together, uh, at least in the the current construct with guys healthy, it was impressive to see them come out and, and not only win the game, but they responded really well to that scenario. Uh, you know, Romeo immediately drives for a basket, uh, then comes up with a big block on the other end. Devontae gets fouled, hits both free throws, which was a rarity for IU yet again today. Uh, you know, Deron Davis had another block there, uh, but Northwestern scored in the inbounds. Justin Smith hit a, you know, hit one out of two free throws. And then after a couple kind of ugly possessions, uh, Romeo gets a two to take the lead. They have a nice press break that leads to a Justin Smith layup. Uh, and then, you know, Finnessy hits, hits one and two free throws down the stretch after a, uh, a miracle banked in three from Vic Law. And, uh, and IU survives. And that was really what it came down to at that point for me was that this team really just had to find a way to win this game, find a way to survive. Uh, and the fact that they started that stretch from behind and came back without Juwan is something that, uh, you know, certainly if, if he's going to miss significant time, that kind of puts a whole nother you know, lens on the season. But uh, assuming that he comes back relatively soon, I think these guys having confidence that they can do things without him on the floor and be able to come and find a way to win a close game uh, in some tight moments without him will pay dividends down the stretch. And and we know all too well how last year things just really devolved when he wasn't on the floor and everybody would just kind of stand around looking at each other. And I think as fans, you'd sit around kind of wondering, like, who's going to score for this team when he's not on the floor? So certainly not a positive by any means that he couldn't finish the game on the court, um, but a positive for the team that they found a way uh, to get a win in spite of that. And, and hopefully he'll be able to rebound quickly and uh, and be back uh, and, and playing again for IU. But that to me uh, is the banner moment. They're going to have stretches if he gets in foul trouble or things like that during the course of the season where they're going to need to score without him on the court. Uh, and as big as a factor as he was in the game today when he was in there, uh, I think it should give the, the supporting cast a lot of confidence in what they can do when he's not there. And today's Hoosier Proud banner moment is brought to you, as always, by Hoosier Proud and Homefield. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel. And at hoosierproud.com, you will find a great state of Indiana theme. You will find great state of Indiana themed apparel, as well as our official assembly call logo shirts. Both brands, Hoosier Proud and Homefield Apparel, were started by an IU grad, and all apparel at both sites is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. 
And with Christmas on the way, you should consider finding the perfect holiday gift for the IU fan or IU or Indiana resident in your life at homefieldapparel.com and hoosierproud.com. Plus, Indiana's birthday is coming up, so start picking out your favorite Indiana tees and get ready for Hoosier Proud's Indiana birthday sale on December 11th. And don't forget to use promo code assembly at checkout today for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code assembly at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel.com. And actually, I uh, saw from a few of the folks uh, that uh, that we follow on the show that Homefield had a, a, a booth or a table set up at the game today. Uh, people talked about how uh, you know nice it was to be able to go and kind of see the uh, see the shirts and the sweatshirts and that in in person. And so uh, I speak highly of what they have. I'm actually wearing one of their t-shirts now. So uh, if if anybody can go and check those out, we would uh, we would strongly suggest you do that. All right, so now it's time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which today is just one man, Ryan Phillips. So, Ryan, any rants for today? Uh, if you wanted to take an officiating slant here, that certainly wouldn't be out of bounds, but uh, I'll let you decide. I'm not going to be Jared and tell you what you should make your rant about. You can make your own choice. I mean, it's it, God, the officiating in the Big Ten is just so bad. It's so, so bad. And, and I thought there were calls both ways that were bad today, but calling five offensive fouls on screens on Indiana was just ridiculous. But no, I, what I want to talk about is uh, it, Romeo Lankford, and I mentioned this on Twitter. It, what shocks me, given his age, is how just he always seems to make the right decision, whether it's, you know, taking the extra dribble to get closer to the hoop instead of shooting a floater and going off the rim, whether it's knowing where to take the angle on a guy when you're driving on him. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm consistently amazed. And today he finished with 20 points, five rebounds and assists, two steals, two blocks. And he had the two turnovers, but eight of 13 from the field. I mean, and he had that huge bucket late for Indiana where they ran a set and it was a great offensive set. They ran him off a couple screens. Uh, they had some dribble handoffs up top and finally got it to where he was isolated with everybody out of his way and just drove one-on-one on law and, and was able to get it, uh, you know, uh, get the ball in the hoop. I, I just, I, I'm consistently amazed at how good and how polished he is. And, and, when Juwan Morgan went out, some freshmen would shy away or they'd try and force things. And and he didn't do either one of those things. He he embraced the moment, but he didn't force shots. He went and got good shots. And and that was what impressed me the most about him today was just making the smart decision, getting into the basket or getting to the basket and, and finishing close. He's not a guy who's just going to stand outside and take lazy threes, which is what a lot of freshmen do in these situations because it's it's tough in college to get to the hoop. And he just attacked relentlessly. And uh, he certainly, I thought, was a player of the game for me, especially after Joel Morgan went out. Yeah, I, I really thought it was one of his his better games in, in some regards. Uh, he really seemed, there was a, particular possession that I, I wrote down early in the second half um, where he was really kind of, you know, they're again, not to circle this back to the officials, but to circle this back to the officials, they were letting a lot of contact go on the perimeter of really just, you know, kind of allowing guys to rough up ball handlers kind of however they wanted to. Yeah, and, it, it was, it, you, you could, you could rough up ball handlers, but you couldn't set a screen on a guy and uh, not like stand not. there and not stand there for like three seconds after and hold <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly well I, you know and and so one of those plays like he really seemed to embrace being allowed to do that and really got into law and really from the moment he crossed that court really kind of bodied him up a little bit and and to me that was you know it was a case where he could you know he, he had some defensive lapses that one of the last buckets that northwestern scored on that inbounds play he he kind of you know, was asleep for a second there and let them lob it into law. But I thought in general, he played physically on the defensive end and really seemed more uh, in tune there. I, I do think he's he's not going to be perfect on that end of the floor, as very few guys are. Um, but I thought he took some strides there and showed a little bit more of what he showed, even in like the exhibition season or some of those plays where he was you know, trying to be more active, getting passing lanes and just seem more attentive. Uh, on the defensive end and, and certainly made some big buckets, ended up being uh, eight of 13 from the floor, eight of 10 uh, or seven of 10 on twos, um, did hit a big three off of a, a you know, at, to end a possession where McRoberts dove and saved the ball, uh, which we'll touch on a little bit more later, had five rebounds, which was second on the team. And, and quite frankly, this was a night when, or an afternoon uh, when, you know, I use stars were the stars, you know, Langford and Morgan combined for 37 uh, were the only two guys in double figures, both eight of 13 from the floor. Uh, Juwan with the double double, uh, and had I think he even led the team in assists with three. Uh, 
you know, so those guys really stepped up in situations. I thought Juwan was more active from the, from the get-go, did a better job staying out of foul trouble despite Northwestern really force-feeding Derek Pardon, and it allowed him to play a little bit more aggressive in the second half, knowing that he only had one foul in the first half and that he had a little room to do that. So I thought that was a good adjustment. Uh, Ryan, anything else you saw in particular from Juwan today that made him so effective? Well, I thought that, you know, he was, Derek Pardon was was beating him like a drum, but Derek Pardon was beating everybody like a drum. I, I thought the defensive intensity was there. I just think that Pardon was getting to positions, and he made some ridiculous layups. I mean, that skill, you practice those, but he made them, you know, spinning, throwing them high off the backboard, all that stuff. I mean, he just was in his zone today. He was 11, of, Pardon was 11 to 15 from the field and was just kind of unconscious for a while there. But what I loved about Juwan was also the rebounding. He had, he had 12 rebounds and, and he was really aggressive going for rebounds and, and did a great job on the defensive end, particularly just making sure there weren't second chance opportunities and and Northwestern wound wound up with nine offensive rebounds but I feel like a lot of those came from long shots that bounced out and really with with long threes it's you know long shots give long rebounds and it's really hard to track a long rebound I felt like in the post he was really commanding the boards and and making sure that uh Pardon didn't grab extra rebounds after he, he got shots up yeah, Juwan played, you know, IU really, the most separation they got was really end of the first half, kind of beginning of the second, and really when they started to to take a little bit of control of the game, Juwan scored four straight at the end of the first half, um, and, and I thought, you know, really asserted himself. But again, that doesn't happen if he can't find a way to stay on the floor, so there were probably some situations where he wasn't as aggressive as he would normally be defensively, um, but I think... You know, the reality is with this team, that's kind of how it, it has to be. And, and again, we'll see what uh, what happens with him from a, an injury perspective and try to figure out, you know, really what, uh, you know, what his status is going to be for the Penn State game. But I'm not sure that's something we'll know. We'll kind of watch Twitter and see if Archie says anything after the game, but uh, could be something where they still want to evaluate him. Uh, so one other quick thing to hit on um, before we go to our first break uh, turnovers. So that has been, uh, you know, the, the big big issue coming out of the Duke game uh, reared its head really at the beginning of both halves today. Uh, you know, four turnovers by the under eight timeout in the first half, three by the under uh, or no, four turnovers by the under 12 timeouts on the first eight minutes in the first half and then three by the first media timeout in the second half, but then only three the remainder of the half, I believe, if I captured it correctly. Um, so Ryan, you know, turnovers still kind of an issue. There was a stretch in the first half or in the second half when they got up five, had chance, two chances to extend the lead and turned it over twice in a row. Um, those were kind of, you know, backbreakers a little bit, really prevented them from being able to blow the game open. Um, but but anything turnover-wise that you saw them doing differently today other than just not giving it away? Did you see anything schematically that they might have done differently to try to correct the turnover issue? I don't know if there's anything schematically. It just seemed like guys were more focused and into the game today. I, you know, there was more of a connectivity between players. And uh, I, I think that that was the big thing. I mean, guys were following through passes. They were looking, you know, when their guys would, when guys would come off cuts, instead of just kind of lobbing the ball out there, they were almost trying to pass it through the guy. They were getting it to him as opposed to, I thought in the Duke game, there were some lackadaisical passes where they were just kind of lobbing it out there and hoping the guy went and got it. There were a couple, you know, we saw trying to get the ball into Juwan in the post against Duke. They just kind of toss it up. Well, if you toss it up and there are some super athletic guys around, they're going to jump out and go grab the ball. Uh, so I, I just felt like there was a more, more of a purpose to their passing. And, and it was like guys knew where they were supposed to go with the ball. Very rarely did you see guys kind of, stutter and look around and the guy honestly the guy i saw do that the most it sort of looked confused was zach mcroberts which is really shocking but he hasn't been on the floor that much lately so i think it's maybe just a symptom of him trying to get back into it um i saw some guys take some bad shots but you know justin smith took a couple bad shots uh uh Devontae green took a couple bad shots but uh fitzner took a couple bad shots but again that's going to happen in the course of a game, particularly a tightly contested game. You're going to get some guys trying to force things when the offense isn't necessarily on fire. Uh, but in general, the turnovers I thought were were very well cleaned up. Um, 
And a couple of those turnovers are offensive fouls that I thought were terrible calls. So uh, yeah, that's five of them right there. Is yeah, on, on and and so to have thirteen turnovers when five of them, you know, uh, there were five offensive foul calls. I think four of them were really bad. One was you can call that, but if you're going to call that in the Big Ten, that's kind of weak. So I mean, to think about it, non-offensive foul calls, there were eight turnovers, which given the beginning of the game. That's not bad. And and given where they've been, that's not bad. So uh I think that it was improved today. And I just it just felt like the team was more connected today. Like there was better chemistry. They all were kind of on the same page of what they were trying to do. And they look like their cuts were harder. They look like they were more in tune defensively as well. Um, so it just it all kind of worked today and all kind of connected today. So I, I thought that the that was what forced the turnovers down a little bit. Yeah, and Archie had mentioned coming in, it had been a couple of their better days of practice in uh, in the last couple of weeks. So maybe the, some of that translates into the game. I think two things on what you said. The, the McRoberts stuff was interesting because I saw the same thing you did. You know, He typically, though, gets the defensive treatment of really having guys back off of him and kind of just letting him do whatever he wants to do and daring him to shoot. I thought Northwestern really got up into him You know, not not to force him to really put the ball on the floor, but I think just to make him uncomfortable. And then on the moving screens... Yeah, that's one of the things that have been talked about. A lot of those were on dribble handoffs and things like that. They've talked about making that one of the, the dreaded point of emphasis calls heading into the season that everybody will ram into the ground in November and December and then forget about by January. So maybe it'll be that when it, it comes back right. around. But it, it definitely felt like that. And I thought Northwestern was doing a lot of the same thing early on. But I guess the, apparently the way to get it called is just to, as the defender, just run through the screener, and then that makes it look like the screener did something to you. So, just a little, just a little tip for those of you out there playing. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get into that maybe a little bit more later. But uh, coming up, we're going to continue our breakdown of IU's 68-66 win over Northwestern, and we'll point out the meaningful moment you might have missed and go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 68-66 Big Ten victory over Northwestern. And it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, or today's, rather. Uh, See, this is, Ryan, this is where you would normally complain about the early game time, but I'm going to complain about it now because I keep saying it that it's night. Go nuts. I I honestly was shocked how well-played a game it was for how early it was. I, I was surprised. It was yeah, it was, it was pretty good back and forth. So there were two moments that stuck out to me. One of these is one that Jared sent in, although I think it's one that ever, I, I don't know that it was that people might have missed it. Uh, so I'm going to go with the one that I had, I had circled first. Uh, there was a play in the, in the second half. Uh, Devontae Green was, had a chance to go one on three, did not. Backed the ball out, kicked it over to Fitzner, who kicked it back to him for what would have been a long three, but one that we've seen him take over the course of time uh, at IU. He passed up that shot. They ran offense. Uh, Romeo eventually scores and puts IU up 48 to 47. And I thought in a game that Devontae played for the most part pretty well and I think gave you the full Devontae Green experience, I would say, over the course of time. Had some really good defensive plays where he was active on that end of the floor uh, and played well. Had a couple drives to the basket where, uh, you know, kind of made something out of nothing. Had some nice passes to Juwan that, uh, you know, that led to baskets. And, and made a couple big shots over the course of the game, made a couple big free throws late. Um, but as you mentioned a little bit ago, he was one of the guys that maybe took a couple ill-advised shots um, and some things like that. But I thought overall he played well, and I thought that particular possession was one where he really played smart. IU reaped the benefits, and he seemed to do a better job of picking his spots of when to really be aggressive uh, and when to dial it back a little bit. Uh, any thoughts from you on, on Devontae's play? I thought he was a good spark off the bench today, for sure. He was, and one thing Devontae Green did was he made his free throws, too, two out of three, uh, which is big, and he's got a good release. So I think Two, he, two out of three on this team is... is, is you know, and the, well, the, the one he missed rimmed out, so I'll give him a little bit of credit there, but he look, he's one of the few guys that looks confident going up there. So, I, you know, that alone is shocking. Uh, but no, I, I thought you're right. I thought there were moments where it looked like we were going to see Devontae Green do a Devontae Green thing and and take a crazy... And he just settle down, settle down, let's get into the offense, let's work it, let's make a play. And and I thought that both of those opportunities, when he was one on three, I was thinking, oh God, here we go. And then when Fitzner gave him the ball back and he was 30 feet out, 
and he kind of looked at it like, eh, and he pulled it back, calmed himself down. And uh, so I, I did think that those were, those were some solid moments for Devonte to sort of see the maturation and the growth there. Um, and, and they were right on, on the, on, on the show on the, or on the broadcast is the thing about Devonte is he can get things done that nobody else on the roster can get done. I mean, he is a playmaker. The problem has always been the other side of the equation when he's not making plays and he's making plays for the other team. He didn't have a turnover today. And, and that's a positive. He had, he had maybe one bad shot or two bad shots, but I think in the flow of that game, you know, they weren't terrible shots. They were kind of things that maybe we've seen him make before. And so it's not too shocking to see him take those, but um, I, I thought it was a, a better game from Devonte, and he only went up with six points, two assists, two rebounds, and a steal. You know, not a great line, but particularly late in the game, they needed somebody to sort of steady things a little. And I thought he was that guy. He really did kind of settle things down and help them get the offense. And he helped get offense for a guy like Romeo, as opposed to trying to get his own offense. Yeah, the other the other moment uh, that we wanted to hit on is one again that I don't think people will have have missed or forgotten about. But it was the you know kind of errant pass on the side. McRoberts dives into the bench to save the ball, uh, and eventually leads to a, a Romeo three. It, McRoberts, as you said, I thought they were really you know aggressive in the way they defended him and really tried to make him uncomfortable. Um, but did have three rebounds, didn't score, didn't shoot, played twenty four minutes, and and did you know have some solid play. And I think in general. You're starting to see, you know, of course, Juwan Morgan goes down in a game where I'm going to say this, but you're starting to see, you know, having that depth pay dividends a bit more uh, for IU, where you're seeing guys able to get quality minutes off the bench um, and and figure things out. I thought he gave a nice lift. Devontae, we touched on. I thought Duran had, particularly in the first half and then late when he came in for uh, for Juwan, you know, they had some nice moments and really provided good depth. But uh, I don't know if there's anything else to add about the McRoberts play. Certainly feel free to do that if you want, or if there were any other you know moments or, or situations that really stood out to you from the game. No, I think I agree with you on the, on the depth thing is, is that this team for how unhealthy it's been, if they get a guy, I, I honestly, I, I'm really waiting for race Thompson to come back because and somebody asked in the chat here, uh, you know, well, a, a concussion takes a week to get back from in the NFL. Why is he taking so long? Well, because in the NFL, Guys shouldn't be coming back from a concussion in a week, quite frankly. They, they, they force them back into games. And quite frankly, Indiana should take its time with race because if you get a concussion, there's a high likelihood of getting another one if you're not fully healed from it. And that turns into a much longer uh, problem with the protocol. So let him take his time coming back. That is absolutely 100% uh, necessary. But he's a guy who I really want to see on the floor. I mean, he's a guy who can do some things. And can uh, can really help this team out depth wise and really give a guy like Juwan Morgan, you know, a spell and give him a rest. And so uh, you're right. The depth makes this team better. And as we see those guys who have been out play more with the other guys, I think that we're going to start to see the team just look better in general because you're just going to see more of that on court chemistry developing. This was not a perfect game. We're not we're happy with the win, I think both of us are, but there were problems and there were things that need to be addressed and the things that need to continue to get better. But it's a step in the right direction after that Duke game to see these guys not turn the ball over as much, playing a little better, see some of the depth out there, see some of these guys look more acclimated to playing more minutes. Um, and, and, you know, it's like a guy like Evan Fitzner has not looked great the last couple games, but he's also played more minutes than he ever has in the last couple of weeks because he's been thrust into basically being the first guy off the bench. And, uh, you know, he's probably needs to catch his second win on the season because he, he has not looked good the last couple of weeks and has looked really out of sorts. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree on that. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, the race Thompson thing is interesting. I've seen people ask that as well about how, you know, how quickly he can come back. And, you know, what we don't, we don't know a lot of things about the situation, obviously, but we, we certainly don't know, what if any history he has with concussions and that plays a big role into it. And it's not like a, you know, those to me are injuries that, that no two are the exact same. Yeah. They're, no they're, you, each one is respond to them the same. And so I think for anybody to say he can or should be back at this point, um, you know, this is a case where, you know, not to get on a soapbox here, but you know, the NFL, if you watch plays, you watch Alvin Kamara get drilled in the head by a guy launching himself the other night and no penalty gets called. To, to say that the NFL 
puts the player's best interest at heart with some of these penalties and rushing people back to the, you know, rushing people back to the field. That is not the measuring stick that I want to use to figure out when a guy should be coming back. And so yeah, exactly. I will, I will definitely trust IU's medical staff to make the right call there and make the right call, not just for, uh, you know, for IU, but for race Thompson as well. So, all right, I'll, I'll climb back down now, but, uh, you're listening to the assembly call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips. And now we'll head inside the numbers on the game. We, we touched on turnovers a little bit. Um, you know, the, the flip side of the turnovers was IU did a really good job of turning Northwestern turnovers into points in the first half. I think they had 12 points off turnovers off of uh, nine turnovers by Northwestern in the first half. Northwestern only turned the ball over twice in the second half, although shot the ball a lot worse. So maybe that was a trade off. I'm not really sure. Um, but I did think that allowed IU, at least in the early going, to get into some rhythm, uh, get some easy baskets offensively, uh, ended with 14 points off turnover or 16 points off turnovers. So did get, you know, basically turned the, the two Northwestern turnovers in the second half into four points. So uh, that was important. Points in the paint, again, for IU, 42 points in the paint. They had 26 at halftime. Uh, they were 15 of 20 on twos in the uh, in the first half. So really a concerted effort again to get the ball inside. IU shot just three three-pointers in the second half, finished three of 11 from three uh, over the course of the game. I'll give Northwestern credit. They played really good defense. They were they were pressuring Indiana all day, out, all the way out to the perimeter. I know they were talking about on the broadcast, oh, they want to pack it in and let Indiana shoot. Indiana wasn't getting good looks on the perimeter, and that's probably why we didn't see a lot of shots fired up. Also, I would mention there was no transition game either way. Uh, it, so both teams were getting back on defense and eat despite the turnovers early. And, uh, I was, I was impressed that neither team got going up and down, uh, with the defenses just clamping down sort of and, and getting back. Yeah. I really think almost all the transition points came off of live ball turnovers going the other way. Cause I, I don't really recall IU getting other others off of, uh, off of misses and things like that. Um, from a rebounding perspective, IU just had three offensive rebounds. Um, Northwestern outscored them on second chance point 10 to two. Uh, I used bench, as we said, stepped up. That was 13 to two there. Uh, I guess, you know, at some point we have to address the free throw shooting as much as we don't want to. And as, as terrified as I'm sure everybody was going down the stretch when it, it you know, after the review, uh, so that, you know, the guy who was standing right on top of the play and missed the call could uh, be bailed out by the review <laughs> and I, you get the ball back and it's like, Oh, they're going to have to shoot free throws. And so everyone collectively like chewing off their fingernails, but, uh, you know, so IU ends up 11 of 19. Uh, on the day, free throw shooting 10 of 17 in the second half. Just shot two free throws in the first half. Um, it started was a, over like four of eight or something. It was, yeah, I think they were four of eight at one point because they missed four straight at, at one point in the second half. Um, so it was kind of a, you know, Finnessy ended up one of four. Morgan was one of three. Uh, Justin Smith, four of six. Um, it's Juwan just, Morgan, I mean, Juwan, let's just, uh, let's, let's jump right in. Juwan Morgan needs to be better shooting free throws. Like I, I'm, I'm, he's going to go to the line a lot this year and it's almost like he stands there and doesn't bend his knees and just kind of fires the ball up. And that's unacceptable. He needs to work on his free throws. He needs to, I mean, if he's helped, if he's, you know, let's, let's assume his leg is fine. He needs to get in the gym, shoot a thousand of those tonight and, and work with somebody, not just stand there and shoot, but work with somebody. Um, because he's going to be at the line a lot this year and he's got to make his free throws. It's, it's, you know, there's no excuse for a senior not making his free throws. Rob Finnessy missed his first two early, then late in those pressure situations, made one, missed one. Okay. But the first two he missed early, unacceptable, but late pressure situation, freshman. Eh. But Morgan has to make his. There's no excuse for not making his free throws. He's a good shooter. He should not be missing as many free throws as he missed this year. He's got to get better at that and he's got to work on it. And I'll say this again. We've talked about it on the radio show. Archie Miller's teams at Dayton did not shoot free throws well. He needs to change whatever he's doing as far as free throws go. And, and he needs to seek outside help. And I'm not, you know, promoting myself as the sh I know I'm the, I'm the I, I don't care if he brings me in and hires me. I would love to be hired by Indiana basketball. Archie, call me. Um, but I, I would say that he needs to get somebody in there who can specialize in working with these guys on free throws because it's, it, it, it's become a problem. And it's something that needs to get better. 11 of 19 in a conference game, shooting 57.9% from the free throw line, not acceptable. They shot 55% from, uh, from the field today and almost lost because they left eight points at the free throw line. Like, it's, it's an issue and it needs to get better. Yeah, it, 
you know, I mean, certainly had, had IU lost this game, I mean, that is what is getting pointed to, rightfully so. I, you know, the turnovers were kind of frustrating and the, you know, the times that they came early in the halves were not ideal, but that wouldn't have been what, what I would have said lost them the game. Free throw shooting, though, would have certainly fallen in that category. I think they just had chances to, uh, you know, to extend the lead or, or chip away when Northwestern had a lead that they just, you know, four free throws in a row. And I think within like a minute time span um, was, you know, that's, that to me is, I, I, I really can't explain it. I mean, they're three of 11 from three, 11 of 19. Is this just not a good shooting team? What, I mean, what's your, what's your general sense of that after, you know, we're what, how, seven, eight games into the season? I mean, they were shooting from three well in the non-conference, uh, you know, a little bit. Uh, I would say continue to let it develop a little. Um, Romeo hasn't really gone off from three much this year. Uh, Finnessy has kind of been hesitant to shoot the last couple games, as has McRoberts since he came back. But once those guys get back, it's hard. Like like we've mentioned, it's hard when you've been missing guys to sort of know what the identity of the team is. Uh, I'm not really worried about the shooting. I thought Northwestern was all over the three-point line today, and really Indiana did not get clean looks. And that that was to me, what the difference was there. Uh, also, when you're having kind of a disjointed offensive performance, I thought the offense was fine today, but it wasn't what they want, which is to get up and down and 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 get a little more in transition. If they're doing that, then everybody's going to collapse in the paint and you're going to get clean looks from three. I thought a couple of the threes today were forced and it was just sort of like, well, I'm kind of open, so let me take it, as opposed to catching it in rhythm and firing. I mean, Fitzer was one of four. He's a guy who... If he has open looks, he's going to nail them. He didn't get open looks today. He had a couple, and, and I thought his first look from the corner when he came in, probably cold, missed it. He was open. Uh, he made his other open three, and then the other two, I didn't think he was open on. Um, but he's six ten, so he can get the shot off. Lankford had a three. Al Durham had a had an off had a, had a, 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 a three off a reversal that was in rhythm. Um, but other than that, I didn't think that they had really in-rhythm looks from three and that the points were to be had in the paint, and that's what they did, and they attacked, and they dominated in the paint for most of the game. So I just think that it, you know it's one of those things where, yeah, you want to shoot well from three, you want to shoot well from the free throw line, but you also want to take what's given to you. And you know I don't know what their percentage was on twos, but it was insane today. It was so high. Um, yeah, they were 24 of 38, whatever the math works out to on that. So probably 65-ish percent, I, mean, I would say. If you're, if you're shooting 65% from twos and you're getting those looks, continue to take them. Don't try and force a three. Uh, and, and so I thought that they were, they were having more success on the inside, so they kept going to the inside. And, and that was probably the smart strategy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that made sense. Second half, they only took three, so that was a, a good adjustment for my eyes. Three other quick stats to, to throw out uh, from a team perspective. Five blocks and plus seven steals for IU. I think those are good, uh, good solid numbers. Had some block shots at, at big moments there. Uh, assists, though, only nine for IU, only two in the second half. Uh, both teams actually only ended up with the end of the game with nine assists. So nine assists on 27 makes for the game. Uh, not ideal by any means, um, but uh, you know I don't know that that's a, anything to sound the alarm on. And just to kind of underscore how close the game was if this that i'm looking at is to is to be believed 30 ties and 14 lead changes um so it's you know, it was a one possession game all all day you yeah, know i mean was, not, and not necessarily points wise but just felt like a one possession game like every possession was very important and look with a young indiana team this is a young indiana team particularly late when morgan was out uh they 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 stepped up and won the game i mean i thought you know i was thinking if morgan's out this is going to be a tough one to win because where do you go other than Romeo for offense? Guys were smart about it and they played well and they played solid. And I'll tell you what, Indiana's defense late, the last five minutes clamped down and that's what won the game. They played very good defense and, and that was impressive. And I tweeted out that the difference defensively for this team from two years ago is insane. It's such a turnaround. They guard the dribble. They close out to the perimeter. They know what they're doing on screens. I mean, for the most part, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to go under a screen when you go over it or vice versa or whatever occasionally. But in general, they attack the offense defensively. They are very aggressive and they play sound defense. And it's really impressive how well they can help and recover, how well they can close out to, to shooters, how well they guard the dribble. Uh, I, I really was impressed today with how well they played, particularly after such a tough game at Duke. They really bounced back today. Yeah, for the second half, Northwestern shot 36.8% from the floor. IU 
only sent them to the line four times in the second half compared to 10 in the first half. Really did a better job of playing solid defense without fouling. So definitely agree with what you had to say there. So coming up on the assembly call, we're going to continue our breakdown of IU 68-66 win over Northwestern. Uh, we'll talk about a guy who's been kind of a, a lightning rod for IU fans and Justin Smith. Archie had some interesting comments about him after the game. Uh, so we'll hit those when we come back here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 68-66 victory over Northwestern. And, and Ryan, we spent a lot of time on the show this week uh, talking about Justin Smith. He finished the game 8 points, 2 of 5 from the field, 4 of 6 on free throws, uh, only one rebound, one turnover, uh, and played... 18 minutes, got in some foul trouble in the first half. And Archie Miller um, talked about him after the game, said Justin Smith stepped up in the last four minutes. Quote, he's not playing as confident as he once was. We just have to trim him back down in terms of taking care of the ball. If he takes care of the ball, he'll be fine. Uh, so what were your thoughts on Justin's performance today? I think it was kind of uneven again, I, I would say, uh, to, to say the least, uh, where he had some moments that he you know showed flashes of what he can do had some moments where he struggled, but uh, what, what were your thoughts on his play in its entirety over the course of the game? The same. I thought there were some struggles there, but I also saw some bright spots. I saw him get the ball in the post, rip through, and go for a perfect layup. Just use his athleticism and his ability, and almost at that, it seemed like he wasn't thinking. He just instinct took over, and he went right for the basket, and that was a positive. I saw him hit four out of six free throws when he's not a great free throw shooter. hasn't been a great free throw shooter. I saw him step to the line and make some shots. Uh, I saw him play very solid defense. Um, and I, and I, I, I really thought that it was a better game for him. Yeah. Archie's right. The turnovers, he had a bad turnover today, but only one, um, he had some foul trouble that I didn't think was necessarily his fault. Uh, but I think it's baby steps for Justin Smith because this is a guy you need in the big 10. You're going to need him. And it, what he needs to focus on, he pulled up for a jumper late that I think he was kind of getting some confidence going, uh, and he pulled up for a jumper late. And didn't go in. It was a bad shot. But I think that was kind of a sign that maybe he was getting some of his mojo back. And then, of course, it came to a screeching halt because he missed it. But uh, I think that, again, with Justin, as long as he doesn't make the mistakes, I think the other stuff is going to come. Um, he had one drive today where he drove and, and you know pulled up fading away. And he's going to look at that in film and be like, what was I doing? Like, you know, where, where he could have, he's so athletic if he has that confidence, he can just go right at guys, you know, and, and, and put the ball in the hoop. And that, that's what he's best at. And so um, I think it was a step forward for Justin Smith today. There was some, of course, some bad, but I think that's stuff that can be cleaned up and filmed. Just like, Hey, Justin, this, this is something you don't need to do. This is what we need you to do. X, Y, Z, what he's really good at. And what Northwestern stopped is playing off the ball and cutting to the hoop and getting passes. Well, Northwestern really mucked up passing lanes all day, so he wasn't going to have that. We need to get him back to doing that thing where he's sort of in the short corner of the wing and cuts to the hoop behind guys. That's where he is most successful, and that's where he has been the most successful. Sort of that old Troy Williams back cut that, that we used to see a lot of. That really team seems to get him going, and if he gets a couple of those early, he can really lock in. Uh, but I also thought he played pretty good defense today. And I think that's where it has to start for Justin is just defending well and then let that extend into his offense and let him, you know, sort of play from the back forward, play defensively well. And then whatever you contribute on offense is a positive start building confidence that way. And I think we saw that today a little bit, um, a couple nice moves. He made a couple free throw key free throws. I think that this is the start of a, a hopefully a turnaround for him. Yeah, I thought they they tried to get him involved early in both halves. The, the first half, they ended up making a turnover. They sailed an entry pass over his head, and then um, he did get fouled on another play. I think Morgan was trying to hit him on one of those cuts, so he got fouled but didn't you know, didn't end up shooting free throws in that case. And I think even early in the second half, he got a shot blocked at the rim. Um, but it did feel like they made a concerted effort uh, to try to you know to try to get him involved, build a little bit of confidence with him. 
um, had that one stretch where he took a, you know, kind of took a bad shot as a runner, fouled a guy on a three point play or to create a three point play, which was, if you want to get upset with Justin Smith, okay, that's a stretch that, yeah, you can be frustrated with what he's doing, but you also see a guy who is very clearly, you know, just his body language coming off the court after that, you know, he got taken out after he, you know, fouled the guy on that three point play and he was just, you know, dejected and you can just tell he's overthinking a lot of things and he's just right. That's the key. It's mental. It yeah. Really I mean, confidence wise, just right on the brink of not having it. And, uh, I will say from manning the, uh, assembly called Twitter account today, there are certainly some people in the mentions that were, you know, less than, uh, less than complimentary of his performance at times. But I do think he really stepped in, uh, down the stretch, you know, made the layup was in the right place on the press break, got an easy bucket. Um, and and hit some free throws in in cases where other guys couldn't. He made he made both in a situation. I think around the five or six minute mark when the game was really tight, that that he made some nice plays. I thought when he was aggressive, he was good. When he settled for you know the jump shot a couple times, it was not. Um, but overall, I and he's thought, got a good shot. It's just right now that's not what he should be focusing on. He should be focusing on scoring three feet from the rim. And you know we've seen him hit threes, we've seen him hit jumpers before. But I think that right now with where his confidence is at, he needs to start working on the inside the paint. Yeah, so two other guys I wanted to talk about. We'll hit Al Durham first, um, kind of sticking with the starters. Al ended up with seven points, had five, I think, maybe by the first media timeout, or if not, uh, if not, it was five really early in the game. Hit a three, was three or four from the floor. Uh, got a really in, nice reverse in the second half. That was yeah, really- yeah, made some nice buckets, but got himself in foul trouble, really limited his impact on the game because I thought he was uh, you know, in a good spot being aggressive, but four fouls limited in 12 minutes. Any any other kind of comments on his play? Anything that you saw him doing that really got him into those foul situations where, you know, we kind of talked about this with Juwan. How does how does Al avoid some of those things when he's really a guy looking out to looking to come out and be aggressive on defense? I, I honestly don't know because I thought two of the fouls were really bad calls. Shocking that I would think that, but uh, I thought that. Uh, it, in general, without I thought he played great defense. I thought he was so aggressive on the perimeter and just not letting guys get open shots. And just all you know, he has those ridiculously go-go gadget long arms that he just—it's so funny when he bends down, he sticks his arms out. It looks like they're ten feet long. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, he gets in that defensive stance and puts his hand in a guy's face, and it's just—it feels like he's twenty feet away, but he's got his hand <laughs> in the guy's face. Uh, but he—he—I thought that defensively, he was really impressive today. Cut, you know, avoiding screens, cutting through, you know, following guys, trailing them, getting to where he needed to be, and closing out. I just thought he was really good defensively, and we've always known defense was going to be his calling card. And I—I just—I think that it—it it was today, and I thought he was very good on the perimeter. And when you look at Northwestern, a team that can shoot the ball, shooting 29.4% from three, five of 17, and a couple of those came in a row uh, in the second half in a stretch. And one of those was a Vic Law banked three at the end that was just absurd. Uh, You know, they really limited uh, what Northwestern got, and they really limited good looks from Northwestern. The only thing Northwestern was getting was pardon in the post. And and really, that's that's okay, because Jawan Morgan was guarding him. He was doing a fine job, but pardon had a good day. And he just, you know, he was beating everybody and he's a good player. And sometimes you're just going to get beat by a good player. No matter how well you play defensively, you're going to get beat. Um, so I thought that, that he was part of, you know, forcing Northwestern off that three point line, forcing them into some shots that they didn't want. You saw a lot today and something again, that is a huge change from two years ago. You saw them facing late clock situations a lot because IU was guarding well. And I thought Al was, was a catalyst for that. He really was one of the guys really getting up into guys defensively and, and forcing them not only to not have open shots, but to ha- feel like they have to give the ball up because they got nothing in front of them. You know? and, and when a team is forced to pass the ball as opposed to passing it within their offense, but a guy gets it and has to get the ball up because he feels like he's pressured, th- that's exactly what happened. Again, that's, that's kind of what happened with, to IU at Duke. They felt like they had to move the ball because they weren't going to have anything. I, Al was doing that to guys today, and I thought that was impressive. So nice game from him. Yeah, the foul trouble is a problem. They need to work on everybody avoiding fouls. I'm not sure how other than just being invisible. Um, but I think that, uh, that, yeah, it was a good game from Al. And I, I really liked some of the stuff that, that he showed today, particularly on the defensive end. You're listening to the assembly call. This is Andy Bonhams with Ryan Phillips, and we're breaking down. I use 68, 66 win over Northwestern. Uh, Ryan wanted to kind of tag on to something you were talking about there defensively. Um, you know, kind of looking at the numbers, 
Parton was 11 of 15, so he played really well. Um, you know, I felt like Robbie Hummel was just screaming across the court to like make him go right. Uh, and, and they did that a little bit better, I thought, at times in the second half. But if you look at everybody else on the on Northwestern, that makes them 16 of 46. So somewhere in the 34, 35% range that IU held uh, the rest of them to. And it was interesting because, you know, a lot of times teams that play uh, defensively, you know, the way that IU does, you know, we've seen IU, you know, kind of double the post and, and go off of that at times. I thought they never really truly doubled part and they would kind of scrape down with guys occasionally and try to do something, but they never really ran doubles at him. I don't know whether that's by design to try to take away, you know, kickouts and things like that, basically forcing him to make shots to beat him. But anything stand out to you, you know, that they did defensively that may have either led to his, his solid performance or the rest of the team's not so great performance. Well, I think that doubling or not doubling probably actually is part of the reason that nobody else did anything. It's because they, he didn't have open outlets, you know, and, and, uh, part of the reason they didn't double very well was because, or double very much is because he was spinning to the middle a lot and it's hard to double the middle of the floor. It's, it's easy to double when a guy's on one side. Um, but it, it's really hard to double when you're in the center of the floor because who comes to double? You have to decide who you leave and you know, either way you go, you're, you're leaving a guy open too, but you have to decide between one side or the other, who's going to be the guy that doubles. So it's difficult to do that. Um, but I, I just think that a lot of times pardon got the ball. I mean, he was also getting the ball at the top of the key and getting into the lane too. It wasn't just like he was back to the basket all game. Uh, I, I just think that Archie probably said, let's roll the ball out, go with the Ron and, and Jawan Morgan on him and see what happens and, and see how it goes. That probably was the game plan. Like, you know, we'll take you on our best player going one-on-one all game because probably whatever we give up, we're going to get back on the other end. And for the most part, that's what happened. Then Juwan went out late. Obviously, he finished with 17, pardon at 24. But Juwan was 8 of 13 from the field, too. So they both had really good days. And I think Morgan was most effective when he was going to the hoop today, of course, when he was, I mean, he's just so hard to stop in the post. I think it's the same for Parton. He's just a tough guy to stop. But I thought that IU did a really good job stopping Ryan Taylor, making Vic Law shoot 14 shots to make 16 points is, and considering three of those points came on a banked three that was, you know, a prayer at the end of the game, uh, they made him work to score and they made, uh, you know, life difficult for, uh, for Gaines as well, who was, uh, taking a lot of, he took, who's one of five. So they just made life difficult for those guys. And, you know, you'll take pardon scoring the way he scores. If it means that you shut everybody else down and that's what they did. Yeah. I want to talk to Ron, uh, quickly before we, we take a break. I thought, you know, he played well, you know, I thought he played well against Duke. Uh, played well in this game, you know, came in almost immediately, got an offensive rebound, got a bucket the possession after, and then got beat on defense, ended up getting in foul trouble. And Archie also mentioned after the game, one kind of wishing that he had played Duran more in the second half. Uh, he was the guy who came in for, for Juwan down the stretch. Yeah, it took, uh, he didn't play until like out. the 10-minute mark of the second half or something. And even I mean, then, it wasn't for, yeah, it wasn't for very long. So I was a little bit surprised because I thought he played well. It gave them a little bit different look on Pardon. Now, the flip side of that is what you talked about. You know, Pardon would start some of his drives out beyond the basket, and that is not not really the place that you want Duran defending. So I thought maybe that had a little bit to do with it. I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but... Uh, it just he, it felt matchup dependent, and they yeah. don't really and and Northwestern doesn't really have a straight back to the basket. I mean, pardon, but he plays out on the floor sometimes. But they don't have a straight one for one matchup with the Ron, and I think that was part of the reason uh, you didn't see him much in the second half. It just didn't feel like a fit in the flow of the game. Yeah, I thought that I thought he would have really struggled to defend. I, I think it was and the shots that Morgan got and what they did. I think IU had a good plan to really attack Pardon, knowing how important he was. Duran was certainly part of that and, uh, you know, had a nice basket against him uh, in the first half, uh, you know, ended up scoring, you know, both of his baskets, all four of his points uh, in that half. But I thought it was another, you know, kind of solid, solid showing for him continues to, you know, hopefully get back into, into shape. And certainly if Juwan is going to be out for uh, any period of time, which, you know, post-game comments, Archie said he hadn't really even talked to the doctors yet uh, about what was going on. So we're not going to know that until, you know, potentially much closer to the, uh, the tip of the other game. But if, if Juwan's going to miss time, Duran becomes that much more important uh, as you go forward, at least in a, a short-term capacity. So we'll see. But I think, you know, kind of continuing to build for him, and that's, uh, that's only a positive for IU. So coming up in our final segment, we're going to hand out our game ball. We'll take a quick look ahead to Indiana's next opponent. And then last call, we'll deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's 
68-66 win against Northwestern. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 68-66 victory over Northwestern. Uh, and now we're going to hand out our game ball for the game. I think, you know, really only two choices for IU probably make sense here uh, in terms of Romeo and Juwan, although we would certainly listen to, uh, to other options. But Ryan, I'll give you the floor first to uh, hand yours out. Yeah, it's Romeo Langford. Uh, he made just some big plays late down the stretch uh, to get IU in, you know, the win. And and I thought that it wasn't all Romeo, but I thought that he was just clearly the go-to guy. And it, it didn't look like, you know, I mean, the moment isn't too big for this kid. He just accepted it, took the ball off the screen, uh, drove right to the hoop, laid it in. And I thought he was solid all day. And the way he attacks the hoop is just so impressive. I, quite frankly, he is the most well-rounded smartest freshman I've seen at IU since I've been a fan. Uh, he is just so good and it's impressive how good he is. And, you know, finished the game with 20 points. Uh, also played great defense for the most part. I thought the second half particularly, he was fantastic. Um, he finished with 20 points, five rebounds and assists, two steals, two blocks, only turned it over twice in 36 minutes. Just a great performance from Romeo Langford. And look, this is the kind of performance you expect when you get a guy like Romeo and, uh, he really showed out, and I thought he played great. Yeah, I'm going to give mine to Romeo as well. Uh, this is not, I say this not to, you know, kind of punish Juwan for missing the end of the game, but I think that basket by Romeo coming out of the under four timeout where, you know, I use down three, their leader just gets helped off the court. I, I truly think if they don't make a basket there, I'm not sure that they win the game. And, and I think Agreed. Romeo really kind of made, a little bit something out of nothing. They ran the shot clock down pretty far. He just had a nice drive and, and made the basket. And then, you know, obviously makes the, the one, uh, hits the two late to take the lead. You know, those are two huge baskets uh, for IU over the course of the game. But I'm not sure if he doesn't, you know, to me, he doesn't make that basket. Whether Northwestern scores or not, I think it's just deflating uh, for IU. So I thought, you know. It his- gives confidence to everybody else on the floor when you have a guy who's a closer. You know, it really does. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, Romeo gets our game ball. I believe if these totals that Jared has in the notes are correct, he now has the lead on the season, uh, four to three over Juwan. So we'll uh, we'll track that going forward. So, but, something tells me those guys are going to be battling for that throughout. Maybe, the season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Duran Davis at one there uh, may may sit there for a while that way, and there may be nobody else who uh, who has one after that. But we'll uh, we'll monitor that throughout the season and see. But yeah, Romeo uh, tonight is the guy, and certainly we hope Juwan is uh, is back and ready to go. So the next game for IU is on Tuesday night against Penn State uh, at Penn State. It, you know, Penn State has been so far this season pretty tough to figure out, I guess you'd say. If you if you just look really over their last four games, they lost at DePaul in overtime, uh, beat Wright State on a neutral floor, lost to Bradley on a neutral floor, and then they beat Virginia Tech at home. Um, so, you know, tough to figure out. They go to Maryland today in a game that I would assume they would lose. Uh, right now, they're 10th in adjusted defensive efficiency, though, on the season. So that is an area where uh, if IU is without Juwan Morgan, finding a way to score is going to be a struggle against a team that's really solid defensively. Josh Reeves is a big part of that uh, and what he does on the perimeter. So that'll be a test for uh, you know for IU's point guards and can they get, you know, get things going uh, offensively in Happy Valley. Offensively, Penn State hasn't really been anything to write home about. They're 91st as I look at it now on, on Ken Palm and adjusted offensive efficiency. Lamar Stevens carrying a lot of the offensive load with Tony Carr, uh, you know, leaving early last year. So uh, a lot of Lamar Stevens, uh, you know, look for him, 6'8", junior. Again, not to not to keep beating the drum on whether Juwan's back, but that's a guy he would likely uh, guard or have a, uh, you know, nope. a, a big uh, a big part in defending. So be interesting to see what he is able to do, you know, how you defend him. Probably Justin Smith may draw some of that assignment as well, uh, even if Juwan is healthy. So uh, certainly something to look at there, how well they defend him will be, uh, will be a big one. But, you know, another conference game, I think if, if we've learned anything so far in this college basketball season, it's that every Big Ten game is going to be tough. Uh, Rutgers hung with Michigan State for a while on Friday night. Uh, every game is going to be a slog. And I think, uh, I think that is 
for certain at this point. Um, a great opportunity for IU to to go two and zero in the Big Ten if they can find a way to win that game and um, pluck a road win. That's, yeah, that's and to get a road win. Yeah, I mean, we looked at this stretch early in the season. It it didn't feel like a terrible stretch. Now, certainly, probably would have expected to beat Northwestern by more than two, but a win is a win, uh, and we'll you, you know kind of go forward from there. But so uh, so that's coming up on Tuesday. Uh, on Banner Monday, uh, we'll discuss more of the Trace Jackson Davis signing. That really uh, was a, a nice surprise on a Friday afternoon. To know I love that Trace signed. I love that Trace signed during the early signing period and just kept it a secret. How awesome! Tell anybody? That? Yeah, like, yeah. How did how did he keep that a secret? And uh, credit to Indiana for not leaking it. That's or for anybody in Indiana not leaking it. That's awesome. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Excellent at basketball. Also, apparently, excellent at keeping secrets. So we've got that going for us. With uh, heck of a poker player, apparently. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, so yes, yeah, so we'll hit that, and then and then we'll obviously have the post game show after the Penn State game on Tuesday. So that's what's coming up uh, with us. And uh, remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get fifteen percent off of your entire order at Hoosierproud.com and at HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to homefieldapparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit hoosierproud.com. On both sites, use the promo code assembly at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. And with that, we will uh, we'll have last call here. Last call a bit early on a, uh, on a Saturday afternoon, right about noon for you, for you on, the, uh, on the West Coast. So perfect time for, uh, or I guess one, uh, one, perfect time for a last call. Uh, yeah. Close this thing out. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I think, I thought that the encouraging thing today was a, was defensively for Indiana. I thought they played a very good team. It played very good team defense, particularly late in closing out the game. Also encouraging to see Romeo Langford really take over uh, and, and just seem very comfortable in a tight game where you need a closer. He just seemed very comfortable being that guy and seemed like, all right, I'm taking it, going to the hoop, going to go right. You know, it's almost like you point on the floor. I'm going to go right there. I'm going to score, and there's nothing you can do about it. And and seeing that kind of confidence from a young guy is really impressive. Uh, I can't overstate that enough. How, how how impressed I am by him, not just his basketball ability, but his smarts, uh, the way he plays within a team concept, and then the way that he just mentally is prepared to take over games and attack, and you know, just kind of be calm about it, not freaking out, not you know seem like a it's a big moment he just makes it seem like he's playing in his backyard so that was that was encouraging for me today and the other thing that was encouraging was the defense and i thought they played very well defensively pardon went off on him it was a tough cover for anybody i think he's going to be a tough cover for a lot of people in the big 10 this year but i thought that uh in general they played they played very well defensively yeah, and for me, you know, you, you want to look at a couple things and see how they respond to what happened at Duke. I think the defense was one that you mentioned. I thought that overall, you know, short of what they did on Derek Parton, which, as we talked about earlier, may have been a little bit by design, uh, I thought they did a really good job defensively. And, and again, you take him out of the mix, uh, and even with him in the mix, you know, Northwestern did not shoot the ball well in the second half, did not, you know, IU really tightened up down the stretch. So you, you continue to see the makings of a good defensive team for IU. It's just a matter of stringing together that more often uh, as you go. But uh, I thought that was positive. And I, and I thought the turnovers were positive, you know, to come out and make four pretty quickly in the game was, was certainly not good. Um, but if you look by the time the game was over, they had 13, as we talked about five of those come on offensive foul calls. Another one came at that play at the end of the half where Finnessy just gets hacked across the wrist. And somehow the, uh, you know, my, oh, my man. good, my good friend, Bo Borowski, can see across the floor who the ball went out off of, but could not see him get, you know, just smacked across the arm. Like, not the hand, like the wrist forearm area. Uh, I had so, forgotten anyway. about that play, and now it's going to ruin my day. I know, I did too, and it made me think about it. I just wanted to share that with everybody. Uh, but, but you know, I mean, that's, that's six of the turnovers. Again, some of those are probably legitimate. If you say that half of those are, that still puts you down to 10 turnovers for the game. That's good progress from a team that's, you know, still trying to figure out what it's, uh, you know, what its rotation is. I think you saw a little bit more of that today for the most part with, you know, where guys really are starting to fit in uh, to, to how Archie wants to use uh, the guys that are at his disposal. So, again, it was a second game with, you know, that you started and played most of the game with, a, you know, a relatively full complement of players. Certainly, Juwan's status is something that we'll watch heading into the Penn State game. And, um, it, you know, for a team that's already been, you know, snake bitten by injuries is one that you... You certainly worry about, but we'll uh, we'll kind of see what happens there. But I thought the team overall responded pretty well. 
Uh, I think there's work to be done offensively that, you know, still struggling at times to get, get shots. Um, but clearly executed a plan of trying to get the ball in the paint and take advantage of the fact that that's where they can score, get to the free throw line, have to start making those free throws better. But, you know, overall, we talked about this four games as a, as a progression. And I kind of talked about this in theory was the easiest of the bunch. Now that doesn't make everybody feel good. If you look and say, well, you won the easiest game by two points. What does that mean for the rest? But I do think there are things to build on that happened today coming out of the Duke game and heading into these next three big games. And so, you know, we talked about how do you get to two and two, three and one during the stretch starting one to know certainly helps that. And I think that's a positive and we'll, uh, you know, hope for a continued progression from these guys. Uh, hopefully Archie and the staff can continue to work with Justin Smith, get him back where he needs to be. Uh, and hopefully Juwan is healthy for Tuesday night. So we'll talk about that uh, certainly on Banner Monday. And then uh, we'll see what happens in the game on Tuesday night. So we'll be here to break it all down after that. So that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866. Join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Monday afternoon. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. Go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. Mm. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.